just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. We're in the weekend. Hopefully you got some fun things planned. I'm going to get together with uh, a friend of mine from high school. I still see him now and again. He and his wife and coming over. We're getting together, going out for dinner, go out on the boat or whatever the hell we're going to do. But it's nice to kind of settle things down a little bit, not be so focused on all this shit that's going on every day. So that said, um, when you check the podcast on Sunday, you're going to hear one of those special listener podcasts. I did it with a gentleman by the name of Roy, but I recorded it yesterday afternoon. You'll like the show. It's a good show. Roy's an intelligent guy. And what's interesting about Roy is that I knew him before I ever did anything with the Rational Boomer. I knew him from my previous business and done a few deals with him and such. Uh, And it always struck me strange. Uh, Back in those days, I would do something on LinkedIn, business-related, but kind of the same style that I do the Rational Boomer. And and he always followed me. And I I really found that strange because most of the people in that business are dipshits and probably Trump humpers. Uh, So I I thought it was odd. And then after I started doing the rational boomer stuff and I got off of LinkedIn because I wasn't doing the business stuff anymore, he found me with TikTok and and the podcast and he's back listening every day. I appreciate it. I'm surprised by it. But we had a chance to talk on the show and he had some interesting insights. He's a bit older He's uh, 77, I believe. He lives in Ohio, which is interesting because that's that big swing state. and They've got a lot of shit going on. Jim Jordan, you've got J.D. Vance and Tim Ryan and all that kind of stuff. And he had some great insights about that. So that is coming up tomorrow morning. Do not miss that. I wanted to talk about something else, too. I've been hearing about this and haven't really paid much attention to it. It's about CNN. Um Now, when I'm looking at the media, getting news information, I would turn on CNN, I would turn on ABC, I would turn on CBS, I would turn on MSNBC to just get a sense of what the news stories were, not to get all the facts from those sources because I don't trust them completely. I don't trust them to tell me the whole story, and I don't trust them to tell me the accurate story. And uh, the reason I don't listen to Fox or OAN or Newsmax is because I know they're fucking lying to me and it's no good to me. So anyway, what I do is I see what the news stories are and then I take the news stories that interest me and I go look a little deeper at some more trusted sources like Reuters or AP or NPR or BBC or whatever. That's usually the way I do it. But CNN was one of those places I would try to catch and see what the headlines were, what the news stories were. And we've been talking about CNN because there seems to be a shift going on in CNN. I was never a huge fan anyways because they were more about the clickbait and kind of kind of pitting people against each other. They never really took a side and they weren't really honest about being in the middle. So I never really took too much of what they said without a little grain of salt. But apparently um, CNN was bought out or run by somebody who's clearly a Trump humper, somebody who's donated to Donald Trump and his campaigns, and he put somebody in there. And and apparently the intention is to go more right side. They see people leaving Fox News, and they think it's a good idea to go more to the right. And today was kind or yesterday was kind of a, a telling moment. They they fired uh, a reporter who's been there a long time. His name is John Harwood. And John Harwood's a good reporter and he's pretty unbiased. And uh, he was calling out Donald Trump as he should. And he got fired. And uh, 
that's just kind of a tip off of where CNN is headed. I don't understand the, 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 the idea or the strategy. I mean, Donald Trump is dying a slow death. The Republicans are taking a shit. Fox News, they don't know what to do. They go one way, then they go the other way. But for some reason, the folks at CNN think they can do well by going more right. And I got to be honest with you, between now and 2024, the least popular club is going to be those Republicans, especially the far-right Republicans. They are going to take a beating. But if CNN wants to play that game, that's fine. My point of this is, is I'm not going to watch CNN anymore. I'm just not even going to trust any of them. I'm going to look at them pretty much like uh, Fox News. And I don't watch Fox News because I don't want to hear bullshit. I don't need that bouncing around in my head with what I know to be facts. You do what you want to do, but uh, I no longer endorse CNN. I just, you know, there still might be some good things on there. There's some people on there that I like, but uh, whoever's on there doesn't really have much choice. I mean, I used to like Jake Tapper until he started kind of shifting. What we're seeing is they're reacting to what their bosses are telling them. And instead of having some integrity, they said, I'm going to stay with the money. I'm going to stay with the job. I'll say one thing today, but I'll say something else tomorrow. Once you do that, you're fucking no good to me. And uh, you can decide for yourself whether you want to watch it. But uh, I'm going to refuse to watch that shit. All right, we're going to get started with an email. And this one comes from Joshua. I just have one email today. He says, hi, Mike. I think I've emailed you several times about Biden not being tough enough, not demonstrating to us that he truly understands that democracy is under attack. Finally, he delivered. Although I have to, I I would have liked to hear about what the government was doing to defend our democracy. I think he gave the speech that needed Uh, to be made to address the elephant in the room. The president tapped directly into how Americans are feeling and what they need to hear out loud from uh, the president of the United States. He nailed it. I expect his approval numbers will continue to climb. And they are, in fact, climbing. And this doesn't surprise me. People like to hear leaders being tough. That's where uh, Donald Trump won a lot. He was talking tough. He was talking against the government. He was talking about the libtards. And people resonated with that, and that's why they followed him. They had no idea of knowing that he would be an insurrectionist and a treasonist. And still there are people that follow him, even though they now know that. I, I, I can't even fucking explain that. But you're right about Biden. I've said the same thing. I have always thought that he wasn't tough enough. Now, I know it's maybe not in his personality to do that, but you got to kind of adjust for the situations. You know what I mean? If it's just business as usual and politics and debate and arguing and stuff, that's fine. But we're dealing with a different kind of animal with the current Republicans. We're dealing now with people that are willing to lie, cheat, and steal. We're dealing with people that are bullies. And as I've always said, you can do one of two things. You can let the bullies continue to run over you. And that's what the Democrats have done for many, many years. Or you can stand up, punch them in the mouth and push them back. They're cowards, so they won't continue to confront you. They respect and they fear anybody who's going to come back on them because they are cowards. They don't want to fight. Now, for the longest time, I've said, why don't we do this? And, of course, Joshua is saying the same thing. One of the problems we have with Joe Biden is that he's a very old-school politician. He's 78 years old, for Christ's sake, 79 years old, maybe something like that. But the thing is, is that he harkens back to politics Back in the old days, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the early 2000s, what happened in politics back then and how people dealt with one another, dramatically different than what we're seeing now. It's more raw. You know, uh, back in those days, the fights were more of uh, uh, the sweet science, boxing, the Marcus of Queensberry rules, you know. 
everybody got tough and they mixed it up, but it was uh, it was regulated. Nowadays, it's like a fucking bare knuckle, bare knuckle street fight. There are no rules. You do whatever you have to do. You burn every bridge. You scorch all the earth, and it doesn't fucking matter. And that's not the way we want it, of course. That's not the way Joe Biden wants it. But the fact of the matter is you can't use those old school rules and compete in today's climate. And he should know that. And that's one of the reasons I'm thinking that in 2024, he's not going to run again. I hope he doesn't run again. I'm not, it's not that I'm not appreciative of what he's done. He's done a great job. He's had more legislative wins than almost any president in history in his first two years. So I appreciate that. And he's done it with very tough times. He's done it with Republicans trying to obstruct at every turn. Now, remember, Obama had the same problem. Every time he tried to do something, the Republicans would obstruct it. The difference between Obama and Biden is Biden has the same problem, but somehow he's getting shit done. So you got to give him respect for that. But you've got uh, people in the Republican Party running amok, going rogue, doing whatever they will do. And at some point, if you want to stop this, you got to shut them down. And if you're going to shut them down, you have to get tough. Now, I like the speech that Joe Biden gave. I thought it was a good speech. I thought it was a speech he should have gave months ago. But I hope they've learned a lesson now. This is working for Joe Biden, being a little tougher. And I said this months and months ago, if you want to beat these people, you got to beat them at their own game. I know, I know. Mrs. Obama says, when they go low, you go high. Well, that's well and good, but some people you can't do that with. Sometime you have to get in the mud and give them exactly what they give you. That's the only thing they understand. That's the only thing they respect. It's sad that you have to do that, but you do. (laughs) Having run into some bullies in my life, I've had some actual experiences, and I've tried both options And honestly, punching them in the mouth and fighting back is the only way to beat those motherfuckers. The other way doesn't work. As much as I'd like to say it did, it did not. But the important thing here is we can't let up. um, Joe Biden's got to be tough like he is. That's a nice speech he gave. But he should be very visible, talking about everything every step of the way, shoving it down the Republicans' throat. Democratic members of Congress should be doing the same thing. We little people out here in the hinterlands or wherever we might be, we need to keep talking. Keep in mind, this is what the Republicans did. No matter how illegal, corrupt, or just flat-out false Things were going on with them. They talked louder, they talked longer, and they wouldn't stop talking. They controlled the narrative. And that's how they won. They pretty much gaslight people, and a certain amount of people believed it because that's all they ever heard in the media. So now we've got to switch that around. The Democrats now have to do that, and it's a much easier situation now because the Republicans are on the run. They're losing at every turn. They're losing in the polls in uh, upcoming elections that they should not be losing. We've got the January 6th committee, and they're going to expose a lot of Republicans that were part of the insurrection. We got Donald Trump with the documents, which we'll be talking about in a moment. We've got the Georgia uh, investigation and grand jury. We've got the stuff going on in New York. Every way the Republicans turn they fuck up. Overturning Roe v. Wade. Now all of a sudden they're saying, hey, that was probably a bad idea. Well, you think? 73% of this country was in favor of Roe v. Wade and you decide to shut it down and you're surprised now that that's somehow going to impact your elections negatively? That sounds stupid to me. Overturning Roe v. Wade before, before the midterms was a huge fucking mistake on their part. 
and all the uh, suppressing of votes and marginalizing LGBTQ people. This, this is what I've said before. Everybody says the Republicans are going to win in the midterms. How? They lost in 2020. What have they done between then and now to gain more votes? Absolutely nothing. In fact, they've done everything they could to lose votes. So it makes no logical sense that they're going to win shit in the midterms. And once the midterms come and go, hopefully we can get some things done for the next two years while Joe Biden's in office. And hopefully in the next two years, uh, we can come up with a good presidential candidate. I said right now the odds on favorite would be Gavin Newsom. But two years is a long time. A lot of shit can change. <laughs> when I was talking to uh, Roy in the, pre- in the show that you'll hear tomorrow, he said, but remember... Remember, Gavin Newsom was once married to Kimberly Guilfoyle. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, Kimberly Guilfoyle, who's now Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend. She was once a a very attractive young woman, but now she's got these harsh features, her personality. The way she talks and her personality and her thought process just make her an uglier person. And I'm not talking about physical beauty. I'm talking about the entire vibe around here. It's not attractive. He's also, Gavin Newsom is also Nancy Pelosi's nephew. That may or may not help him. I don't know. But he's the one guy that's speaking out. Personally, I'd like to see somebody, a person of color. So immediately you're going to say, what about Kamala or Kamala? And I'm going to say, well, I like Kamala. I really liked Kamala when she was chosen to be vice president. I thought that was a good choice. And obviously he won the election, so it was a good choice. But here's the thing. You don't see much about Kamala. She's she's not out there. I mean, she's doing some things here and there, but the whole vibe with her is that she's kind of laying back in the weeds, non-existent, really not doing much. That's probably not true. But it doesn't matter if it's true if everybody in the country thinks she's doing nothing. She should be the first choice to run for president when Biden decides not to. But I don't know if that's going to happen. Hopefully in the next two years they can build her up a little bit. Because I would love to see a woman of color, a younger woman of color, a man of color, um, younger people. We definitely need some younger people. The whole idea of having old white men continuing to run this country is a serious fucking mistake. (laughs) All right, let's get to some news. Um, This was disturbing, to say the least. This was absolutely disturbing to me. Along with the highly classified government documents, the FBI agents who searched former President Donald Trump's Florida state found dozens of empty folders marked with classified, but with nothing inside and no explanation of what might have been there, according to more detailed inventory of the seized material made public on Friday. The agents also found more than 10,000 other government documents kept by Trump with no classifications marked. Now, this comes by way of AP, and as I've said before, they're a pretty trusted source. The inventory compiled by the Justice Department reveals in general terms that the contents of 33 boxes and containers taken from Trump's office and a storage room at Mar-a-Lago during the August 8th search Though the inventory does not describe the content of the documents, it shows the extent to which classified information, including material at the top secret level, was stashed in boxes at the home and mixed among newspapers, magazines, clothing, <laughs> other personal uh, items. You've got to wonder if Donald Trump's not a fucking hoarder. And the empty folders raise the question of whether the government has recovered all the classified papers that Trump kept after leaving the White House. 
The inventory makes clear for the first time the volume of unclassified government documents at home, even through presidential records, were to have been turned over to the National Archives. There's no question about that. There's no debate about it. The archives had tried unsuccessfully for months to secure the return from Trump. And, of course, Donald Trump says all they had to do is ask. Well, they asked for about seven fucking months, Donnie. And he refused to comply. We should maybe let some of these police officers in Minneapolis or other areas of the country that have problems with people that don't comply. Now, the Justice Department has said there was no secure space at Mar-a-Lago for sensitive government secrets. I love how they say that. Well, they had these documents and there was no secure space. That's not the fucking point. The point is they shouldn't have been there in the fucking first place. They've opened a criminal investigation focused on their retention there and uh, on what it says were efforts in the past several months to obstruct the probe. That's another problem. Obstruction of justice. 20 years in jail. That's what it is. And when they call you and say, we want the rest of the documents, and Donald Trump and the lawyers say, oh, there's no more. That's obstruction of justice. That's pretty black and white. There's no question about it. That is fucking obstruction of justice. It is also investigating potential violations of a law that criminalizes the mutilation or concealment of government records, classified or not. We know that Donald Trump shredded some, burned some, tore some up, threw them in the toilet, flushed them down the toilet. He clogged the toilet a lot. And even some people say he ate the shit. I find that hard to believe. He's kind of a germaphobe. I don't see him doing that. But all those other things certainly is possible. Lawyers for Trump did not immediately return an email seeking comment Friday. Trump spokesman Taylor Butowich asserted that the FBI search was a smash and grab. Well, not exactly. They did call ahead of time. Most smash and grabs don't happen that way. The inventory was released as the Justice Department undertakes its criminal investigation as intelligence agencies assess any risk to national security caused by mishandling the classified information and as a judge weighs whether to appoint a special master, essentially an outside legal expert, to look at the records to make sure the DOJ isn't lying. (laughs) Well, if it had been Donald Trump's DOJ, I understand the need for a special master, but I don't think you'll find Merrick Garland or the current DOJ going outside the lines here at all. They're pretty meticulous and pretty methodical. The inventory had been filed earlier under seal, but the Justice Department had said that given the extraordinary circumstances, it did not object to making it public. Trump himself has previously called for the disclosure of documents related to the search. U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon said on Thursday that she planned to unseal the inventory and did so yesterday. All told, the inventory shows the FBI sees more than, a, what, 100 documents with classification markings in August, including 18 marked top secret, 54 secret, and 31 confidential. The FBI had identified 184 documents marked as classified in 15 boxes recovered by the archives in January and then received additional classified documents in a single red weld envelope during a June visit to Mar-a-Lago. They said, you still got more, so they gave him one envelope. Turns out he had probably another 20 boxes of the shit. The Justice Department has said that it searched the property in August after developing evidence that documents were likely concealed and removed from the storage room as part of an effort to obstruct the probe. Again, obstruction of justice. The court filings have not offered any explanation for why Trump had kept classified documents and why his representatives did not return them when requested. Well, we know how they feel about it. We know that uh, they're saying, well, it's akin to, uh, to an overdue library book. No, sorry. And then they're trying to say, well, there's nothing in it. It's no big deal. 
Well, that's not true either. But the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter what the documents say in terms of its illegality. The fact that he took them out of the White House, brought them down to Mar-a-Lago, gave some back, said he didn't have any more, then he lies to the FBI. All of this is criminal, regardless of what it says. The fact that it might be uh, about nuclear weapons or it might be listings of uh, foreign assets, that raises it to a new level. Now, the inventory shows that 48 empty folders with classified banners were taken either from the storage room or the office, along with additional empty folders labeled as return to staff secretary or military aid. Now, it's not clear from the inventory list what might have happened to any of those documents that apparently had been set aside. But that's the question. Where the fuck are they? I mean, these are top secret documents. These are uh, serious secrets that the government has held that they don't want other people to see. That's why they shouldn't be taken out of a skiff. And that's why they shouldn't be shown around like Donald Trump has a tendency to do. As I've said before, I was worried because he had these documents 19 months after being out of office. Then we find out that he had occasion to take them on trips with him. So now these documents have been at risk for six years. The idea that he hasn't done anything with them is absolutely ridiculous. Nobody, including Donald Trump, uh, can admit that he no doubt did something with it. And now, as if All of that wasn't bad enough. Now we're finding out that there's 48 folders that are supposed to hold top secret documents and they're empty. So where the fuck are they? I got to tell you, I did a TikTok on this and I keep getting these people coming to me saying, oh, they're buried with Ivana Trump on his uh, on his golf course. Come on. You know what annoys me about this? When I hear somebody say that, I hear a Democrat doing exactly what the Republicans do. Pull some conspiracy theory out of their ass and say, that's got to be what it is. I disagree. Now, there could be some things in there, but it doesn't make any sense. Like I've said before, if he has these documents, he likes having possession of them. He likes having access to them. If he buries them with his ex-wife on his golf course, he doesn't have ready access to them. People say, well, he could dig her up. Yeah, but not with a lot of bad publicity and, 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 and causing suspicion. Why would he do that? Now, if he's hiding these documents, why wouldn't he hide all of them? Why would he risk going to jail for having any of these documents? Why not hide all of them? I'm just not buying this buried with his ex-wife. This doesn't make sense. And it annoys me, as I said, because we've got Democrats doing the very fucking thing that the Republicans are doing. And uh, we should be better than that. We should be much better than that. We've got enough to be concerned about with Donald Trump. If it's in a grave with his ex-wife, good. Nobody else will see it either. I mean, the big problem here is getting foreign countries or or spies or something to see this. If it's buried with Ivana, good. Nobody's going to see it at that point. I'm just not buying it, and it annoys me when I hear it. So fucking stop it. Just stop it. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days In, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, with this new revelation of these empty top-secret folders that the FBI took out of Donald Trump's home, this has gotten a lot of people talking, and a lot of people not talking. It's funny, the Jim Jordans and the uh, other members of Congress that are Donald Trump's buddies, they're a little quiet these days, but there's one person that wasn't quiet. 
And I think it's largely due to the fact that he is trying to rehabilitate himself. But I'll tell you this, he is much a criminal in this situation as Donald Trump. Because he allowed Donald Trump to run roughshod. He could have shut some things down and he chose not to. And of course, I'm talking about former Attorney General Bill Barr. Now, Bill Barr made a lot of dubious excuses for Donald Trump when he was Attorney General. But he has no defense for the former president's Mar-a-Lago document scandal. See, he's stepping back from Donald Trump on this one, and he has really no choice. There is no explanation for Donald Trump having these documents. Now, Barr appeared on Fox News Friday to comment on the FBI's detailed inventory of the items it retrieved during last month's search. Instead of defending his former boss, Barr basically called BS on all of Trump's proffered excuses for not returning classified documents to the National Archives. It all started after co-anchor Sandra Smith asked Barr his opinion of Trump's request for a special master to independently review this case and what had happened. Barr wasn't buying it. He said, well, I think the whole idea of a special master is a bit of a red herring, he said. The only documents that have been taken, it seems to me, that there's a legitimate concern about keeping away from the government and insulating the government from would be documents relating to his private lawyer communications, him as an individual and his outside lawyers. If there's that stuff like that, fine, identify it. There doesn't appear to be much of it. I'm not sure you need a special master to identify it. Barr also said he couldn't think of a legitimate reason why Trump should have had possession of classified documents recovered by the FBI. Now, the former attorney general had harsh words about claims made by Trump camp that the former president somehow declassified the documents in question, either by a tweet or simply a verbal declaration. We know, I know, William Barr knows, that's not how it goes. There is a process to all of this. He went on to say if, in fact, he sort of stood over scores of boxes, not really knowing what was in them, and said, I hereby declassify everything in here, that would be such an abuse and that shows such recklessness that it's almost worse than taking the documents, Barr said. <laughs> so Barr's not helping Donald Trump out at all here. They got him on Fox News. I don't know if they thought he was going to support Donald Trump or not, but he sure as hell didn't. And that was the smart play for him. Uh, this is all clearly illegal, and somebody who was once the attorney general should fucking know that. People say this was unprecedented. This is what he said. People say this was unprecedented that a former president's house was searched. He goes on to say, well, it's also unprecedented for a president to take all of that classified information and put them in a country club. Okay, Barr said. That's actually what I said when this first came out. They're getting all butthurt because they're searching Donald Trump's home because it's unprecedented. Well, the fact of the matter is it wouldn't have to been done if Donald Trump hadn't done something unprecedented and steal all these top secret documents. Now, considering how much Barr supported Trump's alleged antics when he was in office, many Twitter blue checkers were shocked that he's now apparently willing to burn the bridges with his former boss. Well, of course he is. Of course he is. He's got nothing to gain. He knows Donald Trump is going down the toilet and all his little maggot buddies are going with him. He doesn't want to jump on a sinking ship. He's been on that sinking ship and he jumped off, hopefully in time. I don't think it will be time because I think he might be uh, considered for some indictments too because he clearly did some things that were a little illegal. Now, On Friday evening, CNN reported. Now, I said don't watch CNN, but this was some information that I thought was valuable. Uh, Former Trump White House Chief of Staff, 
Mark Meadows turned over to the National Archives and Records Administration additional emails and text messages within a week of the FBI executing a search warrant at Mar-a-Lago. Now, we know that Mark Meadows, we were talking about this with Ed, and it was strange that we hadn't heard much about Mark Meadows. That was very telling. It tells us that maybe he is throwing Donald Trump under the bus. Initially, he gave us some text messages and some emails, and it was very helpful to the January 6th committee. But as I say, for a long period of time, we hadn't heard anything, and Ed suggested that he is... uh, turning state evidence, if you will, and turning on Donald Trump. And that that seemed to make sense. And now we're hearing that he turned over some additional emails and text messages. And these all came within a week of the FBI executing the search. Well, that's interesting. Do you think Mark Meadows was talking to Donald Trump at that point or some other people within the Trump uh, Trump uh, circle? Yeah, I think he was. And I think they knew that. And they said, look, Mark, we got you. You need to send us this shit. Or if, like Ed said, he's already cooperating, it wasn't a big deal. I'm sure Mark's not real excited by the fact that they're promoting that he uh, gave all these emails and uh, text messages. I'm sure he's going to get shit from the boss, the orange turd as some of my uh, listeners have called him. And that's uh, that's a very accurate description, i got to tell you. Now, citing sources familiar with the matter, CNN reported Meadows' submission to the archives was part of a request for all electronic communications covered under the Presidential Records Act. The archives had become aware earlier this year it did not have everything from Meadows after seeing what he turned over to the House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection. Details of Meadows' submissions to the archives and engagement between the two sides have not been previously reported. Now, remember how hard he fought to not testify and they didn't push him on it? It's funny that he willingly gave up these texts and uh, emails. Was he willing or did he have so much pressure hanging over his head he had no fucking choice? I have a feeling it's a little bit of both because as I was talking to uh, Roy, you'll hear it on the next show, um, Mark Meadows really has to be the central point to everything. Donald Trump was on radio silence during the insurrection, of course. He doesn't do emails. He doesn't do text. He's like a mob boss. He doesn't put anything in print, typically. But Mark Meadows was getting all the requests and comments and advice during the insurrection. And he, no doubt, was passing that along to Donald Trump and then in turn passing along what Donald Trump has said. So there is no um, paper trail, per se, but there is that connection. And if that's what, in fact, went down, well, that makes Mark Meadow kind of the focal point, the eye of the storm, if you will, uh, when it comes to all of what Donald Trump did during the insurrection. Now, the documents Meadow turned over were reportedly not classified, and one source told CNN it was not the type of situation that the National Archives should refer to the Department of Justice. So, at this point at least, it doesn't sound like what's on these texts and emails is necessarily illegal. But what it will do is give them information of what was going on then that will lead them to something that's illegal. Another per- person familiar with the matter said the FBI search of Mar-a-Lago had nothing to do with Meadows' decision to turn over the materials to the archives as it was a separate discussion. Still, it's an awkward position for Trump's former chief of staff to be in, as Meadows also has been engaged in efforts to get Trump to return documents to the National Archives since last year. Meadows is one of Trump's designees to the archives, and he got involved in the summer of 2021 after being contacted by another designee, uh, uh, designee, I think that's how you pronounce it, former Trump Deputy White House Counsel Pat Philbin. 
Although Meadows was Trump's final White House chief of staff in one of his National Archive, um, the exact status of their current relationship is a little murky. Oh, I bet it is. If Mark Meadows is giving up a lot of shit on Donald Trump, Donald Trump is not going to like that. And he should be worried about that because all of that went on, all the communications, all the actions, no one would know better than Mark Meadows. And Mark Meadows got a, it's like the Roadrunner cartoons. And uh, he's Wiley Coyote. He's got a fucking anvil hanging over his head. And it's going to drop and it's going to squash him. So he's playing this the best he can to save his ass. At this point, he can't even be considering trying to protect Donald Trump. He's got to save his own ass. In recent months, Trump has been counseled to cut contact with Mark Meadows. So apparently the Trump folks are seeing what's going on. Um, Trump said that while the former president has not complete, uh, those people close to Trump said that that while the former president has not completely cut ties with Meadows, Trump has complained about Meadows in conversations with other allies. So there's a rift on Blueberry Hill between Mark Meadows and Donald Trump. There's going to be a lot of rifts out there because just about everybody is turning on Donald Trump because they fucking have to. They've got to save themselves. I don't know that they can save their reputations and their careers because once they're done, everybody's going to say, oh, you're Trump's buddy. Yeah, we don't want to talk to you. Now it's not a matter of saving their careers. It's a matter of staying out of fucking jail. So they will do anything they have to. They will sacrifice their Lord and Savior, Donald Trump, guaranteed. Now... (laughs) We can see that Donald Trump is losing his shit. He's getting a little crazy because of all this stuff pushing him further and further into the corner. He's getting nervous, to say the least. And that's what narcissists do. They always have these pat ways to get out of things. And Donald Trump has always done that. But none of these things is working for Donald Trump any longer. So he's getting nervous. He doesn't know what to do. He can't believe people won't believe his bullshit. He can't understand why his tricks are no longer working. And then that's when people like Donald Trump get desperate and they do crazy shit. Former President Donald Trump bizarrely claimed that President Joe Biden's forceful rebuke of MAGA Republicans on Thursday was a threat to use military force. He was saying that Joe Biden was saying, we're going to get those MAGA bastards and we're going to pull out the tanks, the National Guard, and kill them all. Well, that's not what Biden said. Biden, who recently described Trump's brand of right-wing ideology as semi-fascism. And he was couching it a bit there. It's not semi-fascism. It's flat-out fucking fascism. He delivered an impassioned takedown of Trump's wing of the Republican Party in a primetime speech, as you no doubt watched from Philadelphia. He says, not every Republican, not even a majority of the Republicans are MAGA Republicans. I kind of disagree there. I mean, whether they associate, whether they identify as MAGA Republicans or not, they have gone along with everything the MAGA Republicans have done. Just because you don't like it doesn't mean you get to go along with it and be separated from it. If you supported it and supported Donald Trump and any of the things and any of the people that were tied to this, well, you're just as fucking guilty. Biden goes on, not every Republican embraces their extreme ideology. No, they don't, but they're all fucking accessories after the fact. He said, but there's no question that the Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. And that is a threat to this country. Trump on his Twitter knockoff Truth Social suggested that Biden's speech with two Marines standing behind him was a threat to use military force. Come on. He said, 
If you look at the words and the meaning of the awkward and angry Biden speech tonight, he threatened America, including with the possibility of military force, Trump wrote. He must be insane or suffering from some late-stage dementia. Coming from a guy who can't complete a fucking sentence or actually say anything that makes any sense. As I said... Donald Trump is scared to fucking death. He'll throw anything at the wall. He's like the monkeys at the zoo, picking up their own shit and throwing it at the people. He doesn't know what to do here. Trump goes on to say someone should explain to Joe Biden slowly but passionately that MAGA means as powerful as mere words can get. Make America great again. If he doesn't want to make America great again, which through words and action and thought he doesn't, then he certainly should not be representing the United States of America. Well, here's the thing, Donnie. That statement, make America great, make America great again. And even the, 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 the vision of an American flag has put people off so much because it's associated with MAGA, violence, lying, cheating, stealing, insurrection, treason. People are so put off by that. I, I tell you what, you take a guy in a liberal town and put a red Make America Great Again hat on him, he's going to get some shit. Biden, of course, never threatened military force against America in his speech. Of course he didn't. Trump, who has a habit of projecting, came under severe criticism during his administration for threatening to use the military force against racial justice protesters across the country on 2020. Now, the House January 6th committee also found evidence that Trump sought to use the Defense Department to seize voting machines. So he's yelling about Joe Biden using the military, and Donald Trump did everything he could to do just that. Biden's speech focused on MAGA Republicans, anti-democratic views, and attacks on law enforcement. MAGA Republicans do not respect the Constitution. They do not believe in the rule of law. They do not recognize the will of people, he said. They promote authoritarian leaders. They fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. They look at the mob that stormed the United States Capitol on January 6th brutally attacking law enforcement, not as an insurrectionists who placed a dagger to the throat of our democracy, but they look at them as patriots. What they did on January this is that was Biden, this is me talking. What they did on January 6th was the exact opposite of patriotism. While Biden sought to draw a contrast between MAGA Republicans and other Republicans, the GOP appeared to fully back Trump in response to the speech. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy of California gave a pre-buttle. He did it before Biden even spoke as if he knew what he was going to say. Uh, He argued that it was actually Biden who was waging war and assault on democracy. President Biden has chosen to divide, demean, and disparage his fellow Americans. Why? Simply because they disagree with his policies. That is not leadership. McCarthy said, demanding an apology for for Biden's earlier semi-fascism remark. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Everything he said was absolutely true. This This is where I find it confusing. And I've run into this situation before, and I talked about it in another podcast. Somebody will say something that's racist, misogynistic, and uh, um, anti-Semitic, violent, insurrectionist-type rhetoric. Anything that goes against this country. And if somebody has the audacity to say that in front of me, I can't help myself. i got to say something. I've got to say something. And then people will come to me. It's not just... Republicans, it's Democrat. 
Why are you so hard-lying on this? Why can't you listen to what they have to say and think they might be right? No, because they're not fucking right. Just because somebody opens their mouth doesn't make them credible. It doesn't make them fucking credible at all. If you said to me, robbing a bank's a good thing, and I say, no, it's a bad thing, should I give in? Should I compromise with these people? No, unfortunately, what these people are talking about is destroying this country, overturning elections, undermining um, undermining our, our government. I'm sorry, I, I can't negotiate with these people. There is no room to give on this situation. When I was in business, I learned a lesson about negotiating. <laughs> and the, the whole secret to negotiation is don't negotiate. And that may sound ridiculous. I'll give you an example. Some guy wants to buy something from me, and I say the price is $1,000. He goes, oh, no, I can't pay $1,000. I could get it cheaper someplace else. I say, well, go ahead. Why don't you do that? Well, they don't have it right now. I said, oh, so you want me to negotiate apples and oranges. You want me to negotiate based on something you can't even get. He goes, well, no, it's just that they sell for cheaper. I go, my price is 1000 bucks. He goes, well, I can't afford that. I say, thank you very much. I hang up on him. You know what they do? In the case of the business I was in, they know what they're buying. They already know how much they're paying for it, and they know how much they're going to make. So when I tell them, no, I'm not selling it to you at your price, they start thinking about it. They go, I've already decided how much I'm going to make on this. This guy doesn't care if he buy, if I buy it. So I must be missing something. And what do they do? They fucking call me back and they pay my price because it was a game of chicken. And that's basically what we see in politics. It's always a game of chicken, and sometimes you've got to be strong, and you've got to be willing to lose if you ever have hopes of winning. That's something the Democrats were never good at. They never played hardball. They didn't like the risk. They go, oh, we can't lose, so we got to give in. we got to give in. No, you don't. You don't have to fucking give in. If you lose, you lose. Step back, figure it out, and go another route. I hope the Democrats have learned that lesson by now. I really do. It seems like they are getting tougher. They are pushing it in their face. And uh, they're fighting back like they were supposed to fight back. What Joe Biden did in that speech is what he should have been doing months ago. And as I said earlier in the podcast, this is the time, this is the perfect time, like my negotiation. I know this guy wants this shit. He's just negotiating with me because he thinks he's smarter than me and he thinks I want it more than he does. And even if I do want it more than he does, I can't let that be known. I'm willing to pay, play chicken with him. It's a matter of who wants it more. And this is what the Democrats should be doing. Playing a game of chicken. I mean, what the fuck do you have to lose? You have everything on your side right now. You have the Republicans coming apart at the seam. They've alienated pretty much everybody in this country. You're in the driver's seat, so be the fucking driver. And drive it right down their fucking throat. That's not something the Democrats do very well. But they better learn quick because our democracy is hanging in the balance. Some other good news. A federal grand jury investigating the January 6, 2021 insurrection and Donald Trump's efforts to steal the election. Now, listen to what I said there. There's two different things going on here. There's the January 6th committee and their hearings. 
That is more of like a fact-finding, informational type thing to get the information out to the public and to the DOJ. But in addition to the January 6th hearings, the DOJ has a grand jury for the insurrection. So while the uh, informational thing with the January 6th committee is going on, and that's getting all the publicity, there is a grand jury investigating this and everybody involved in it. I'm talking about Donald Trump, I'm talking about his staff, and I'm talking about sitting members of Congress. Not to mention Jenny Thomas, uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, and God knows who the fuck else they're, they're looking at. So what happened was... Um, they got testimony from White House lawyer Pat Cipollone. You remember him from the January 6th committee hearings. Now, Pat Cipollone was the White House lawyer. He wasn't Donald Trump's personal lawyer. He was the lawyer that represented the president, the office of the presidency. He's the one that was... recommending Donald Trump do the right thing, and Donald Trump said, fuck it, I'll do the wrong thing. In addition, his deputy, Patrick Philbin, testified in front of the grand jury. Now, we don't know what they said, and the reason we don't know and won't know what they said, at least for a long time, is because that everything in a grand jury is secret. And it's secret because this is serious. You have a grand jury for one reason to try to get indictments. And who are they going to indict? Well, you got to think Donald Trump's in that fucking mix. The sitting members of Congress like Gozar, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, and those fucks. Now, both Cipollone and Philbin were subpoenaed for their testimony last month. Cipollone was the most senior member of the Trump administration inside the White House on January 6th and attended meetings where then president and his allies strategized about overturning the 2020 election result. And you'll notice there was no talk about, uh, um, well, we just don't want to go. Because it's one thing when the January 6th committee, when Congress subpoenas you, apparently you can dick around with it. We didn't know that until just recently, but you can dick around with it. But when the DOJ says you're coming, you're motherfucking coming. And honestly, Cipollone and Philbin at this point don't need this mess hanging over their heads. They have lives, they have careers, they have families. And they weren't on board with the things that Donald Trump did. They were. They felt like they were forced to do it because they worked in the White House and he's the president. Well, he's no longer the president. And now, like some of these other folks, they're out to save their life. Now, Cipollone and Philbin had threatened to resign if Trump went ahead with his plan to install a loyalist as attorney general to look into the allegations of the widespread election fraud. You remember that, you know, Jeffrey Clark, he was the guy, the underling that wanted to send these notes off to the secretary of uh, of, uh, states of all these swing states. They sent it up to uh, Rosen, the acting AG at the time, and Rosen said, fuck, no, we're not doing that. So what Donald Trump wanted to do, fire Rosen, put this stupid piece of shit that nobody knew about as AG so Jeffrey Clark could do what, what he wanted by sending these letters, which, by the way, is highly illegal. And when he decided to do that, that would have been akin to Bloody Friday, you know, back when Nixon was in office and dealing with Watergate. They said, that's fucking crazy. If you do that, we're all going to resign. And that would look bad. So, of course, Donald Trump backed off of that. Um, And that's the guy that they talked to, Cipollone and Philbin. They no doubt got a lot of information because... uh, You don't tell the DOJ, well, I don't want to talk about that. That doesn't happen with the DOJ, because if you do that, you go to fucking jail. So it'll be interesting to see how what Cipollone and Philbin said in this grand jury, ultimately, when we find out who gets indicted from that grand jury. 
Mark Short, who served as Vice President Mike Pence's Chief of Staff for two years, and Pence Counsel Greg Jacob have also provided testimony to the grand jury, according to the New York Times. Now, Cipollone and his deputy have already appeared before the House Select Committee, as I mentioned. In excerpts from his interview aired during the committee's last public hearing, Cipollone can be heard admitting there was not sufficient election fraud to affect the outcome of 2020. No shit. I think we all fucking know that. Cassidy Hutchinson, a former aide to Trump's former chief of staff, Mark Meadows, publicly testified that Cipollone did not want Trump to join his supporters at the Capitol. And we remember that whole story. There's so many fucking stories. You can't keep them all straight. And all of them bad for Donald Trump. It's fucking amazing. Anyhow, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you for uh, taking the time out of your day to listen on a Saturday of all things. I'm sure you've got better things to do. Go out and have some fun. Enjoy your life. Spend time with your family. Spend time with uh, your friends. I'm going to do that. And uh, try to have a life in between all this fucking crazy mess that's going on with our government in D.C. and all over the country. As I said, tomorrow's show will be a show with a listener. His name is Roy. It's a good show. You should listen to it. Um, And then Monday... We'll be back on track, getting back into all the crazy shit. So I hope you have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.